I always think of the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And I always, um, when I think of that, I think of uh, if you give him the first and the last, he fills in everything else in your life. So, praise God. Oh, Father, we just come to you tonight in the mighty name of Jesus. We offer up a sacrifice of praise, which is to you a sweet-smelling fragrance. We thank you, Lord God, that Holy Spirit quickens our mortal bodies. We thank you, Father Holy Spirit, I ask for you to quicken this mortal body and also to speak through me the words that you would have me say tonight for these people. Open their ears to hear, their hearts to receive. Amen. Well, I want to, I sound very loud, am I? Um, I want to teach to you tonight on bringing uh, healing to the brokenhearted. Does anybody in this room qualify? Have you ever been hurt or broken in your spirit? Amen. Amen. And so for the last uh, few weeks, Bruce has been teaching on basically everything about healing in the body. And I want to speak about what we call the soul, S-O-U-L. And um, that's a different aspect of healing. So what I'm going to uh, share with you is what the Bible has to say about healing the soul, what the Lord has done for others that we'll see in the Word, what he's done for me, and some of how he has done it. And so, uh, let's turn to Psalm 23. You know, in Psalm 22, uh, the author speaks prophetically about what Christ is going to accomplish through his death, his burial, his resurrection. And he says, you know, I am poured out like water. So Psalm 22 is not exactly clap your hands, jump around, and praise God. Although when you realize that it has come to pass, you do jump around, praise God, and say, thank you, Jesus. And from, from that, we go to Psalm 23, written most theologians uh, theologians agree by David. And uh, he goes from what is in 22 to 23, and I don't know how much time was in between the writing of the two, to <clears throat> talking about children receiving the care and the love of the Good Shepherd. And he expresses God's greatness. Anybody agree God is great? Hallelujah. His dependence, David depended on God. And he proclaims his relationship that he has and has had throughout his life to God as his shepherd. And he recounts the wonderful things that God has done for him. Uh, I don't know how many of you ever rehearse 
the wonderful things that God has done for you. It's a marvelous way to enter into the presence of God. And uh, David did that. He also says, you don't have to have any fear uh, when he's talking in his psalm. Or any evil has to come near you. He proclaims that his shepherd will never, ever leave him. And be, he will always be merciful and God's restoration in his life that has worked healing. So, first off, I want to say that the human mind is much like the human body in that it can be wounded. Uh, sorrow is a wound as much as pain in the flesh is a wound. Uh, words that are spoken over you are as harmful and wounding as if somebody had stabbed you. They proclaim over you either a curse or a blessing. I was very fortunate in my life. My mother proclaimed over me blessing. And so sorrow, if there's ever sorrow in your life, that can cut and wound deeply. And it will heal unless something gets inside there, like bitterness or resentment or unforgiveness. Your body won't necessarily heal with that going on in your life either. But your soul really will have a difficult time getting healed if you carry on vengeance, revenge, hatefulness. It will not help you. So I want to present a case for the soul. All right? A lot of people still believe that the soul and the spirit are the same. So I want to proclaim to you that I don't believe that because I read in 1 Thessalonians, if you'll go there, if you have a Bible. Anybody bring a Bible tonight? We're going to go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Verses 23, <clears throat> 24, 2. Now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So I ask you, if there's a spirit and a soul and a body, that's three parts, isn't it? So there's got to be a difference between the spirit and the body. The spirit is born again when you receive Jesus Christ. We all know that in this room. And um, with the spirit, you contact the spirit realm, whether it be God or angelic beings. With the body, we contact the physical realm. How many of you know this? This is just a rehearsal for you. Okay. 
And with the soul, we, can't, we have the mind and the emotions, your feelings. So both spirit and soul go to heaven at death. And you go to heaven only if you're one of us. <laughs> so, um, in Luke 16, if you want to go there, we'll see that the spirit and the soul go to heaven at death. Because we have an account here that Jesus gives. Now, this is before, of course, his uh, death, burial, and resurrection because he's talking to uh, the people at the time. And he says there's a certain beggar. Wherever you see the word certain, you can know for certain it's a real person or a real event. And Jesus says there was a certain beggar named Lazarus. Don't confuse him with the other Lazarus that was raised from the dead. 1620. I'm sorry, I didn't give that to you. And so uh, this Lazarus beggar was laid at the gate. Somebody brought him there every day, and he was desiring to be fed with the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table. And moreover, dogs would come and lick his wounds. Well, eventually here, the beggar died. And he was carried by angels into Abraham's bosom. Now, the rich man also died. And he went the other direction. He went to Hades. And at this time, he lifts up his eyes and sees Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cries out and he says, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. My point is not the difference between the beggar and the rich man as going to heaven or hell. My point is the man that was in hell still remembered Lazarus, could see over there, remembered what was going on in his lifetime. So there is a soul that goes along with your spirit when you go to heaven or to hell. And, um, and, and then the Laz Jesus, or whoever was speaking there, said, Lazarus in his lifetime had it really bad. Okay. But now he's comforted and you are tormented. He said, and besides all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, and those that want to pass from there to us cannot. And after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, that gulf was closed. It was sealed. So there's no passageway. There's no escalator to get to uh, it, purgatory. I mean, there is one place or the other. 
and your soul, your memory, your mind, your emotions will go with you. You will have remembrance of everything. Hopefully, the bad things that have happened, and I know this is true, will no longer torment you when you are in heaven. Amen? Amen? So, Psalm 23. You want to go back there with me? Because we haven't begun yet. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. My main text right there, and that I can testify of, is he restores my soul. Praise the Lord. So if you look up that word soul, it is called nephesh, and it's N-E-P-H-E-S-H. And the meaning of it is a life, a living being, self, person, mind, personality, inner desires, and feelings. Did you get that? What that means, soul? And so the soul is what he wants to restore, nephesh. So I look at this and I say, verse 2, he makes me lie down in green pastures. And I think of it this way. Sometimes I'm a doer, (laughs) and sometimes I just have to stop and just lay down, Um, stop what I'm doing and just rest. God gives me supernatural rest. And so I'm, I see here that he makes me lie down in the lush green pastures of his word. This word is lush. It is green. It's good to be eating out of it. Just like sheep, the shepherd would bring them to a very green, lush place. And there they knew they could eat. And incidentally, the sheep would follow the shepherd in a line. And then they would find their place where they were going to nibble on the grass. Now, one by one, a sheep would come up to the shepherd. And it was looking for reassurance. And so the shepherd would just rub its head and speak softly to it and it would go back to its place until the shepherd started walking to bring them back to the fold. So when God tells me you need to rest, I know he's talking to me, not only physical rest, but he's talking to me spiritual eating of the word. So he makes me lie down in the lush green pastures of the word to feed on his word which brings strength 
and sustenance. Verse 3, he leads me beside the still waters. Sheep will not go where there is a rushing stream or a uh, turbulent stream. They will only go where the water is calm. And that's because they know if they get in the water, their wool will pull them down. So sometimes if there is a stream that's flowing a little too strongly, the shepherd will take some rocks and make a little pool for them so that they can drink freely of the water. He leads us beside the still waters. So where I don't have to fear rushing waters, and it's safe, and I can drink to my heart's content of the living water right from this word. And it's a refreshing, it's pure, it's holy, and it's strengthening. Verse 3. He restores my soul. That's the part of me that can get depressed. That's the part of me that can get grief-stricken. That's the part of me that can be happy and joyful. That's the part of me that can be despairing. That's the part of me that can be wretched. That's the part of me that can be miserable. That's the part of me where it's inconsolable. I feel broken. I'm hurt. And that's the part that Jesus came to heal, as well as our bodies. I'll give you an example. Now, this goes way back, but I still remember it. I mean, way back, before Bruce. <laughs> way back. I was engaged, you know, even had a ring, and I just, I don't know, I love the guy, sorry, this is way better. <laughs> um, we had a good relationship, we sang together, we had great harmony, and uh, I still knew there was something not quite right. And... Um, I was a, a baby Christian, and so a friend of mine invited me to go to a uh, retreat uh, by a woman named Iverna Tompkins. She has long since gone on to be with the Lord. And uh, I was in my room, and I said, Lord, something doesn't feel right, so if you want me to break this engagement, you just have the speaker say, break the engagement. What are the odds, right? What kind of a baby? That's what I was. So I go out and we listen to the uh, message that Iverna had, and all of a sudden I hear like a megaphone in my ear. Break the engagement. What she had said was sometimes you have to break the engagement. And I heard like there was this megaphone right here. Break the engagement. And I, I turned to my friend. I said, did you hear that? She says, what? I turned to the other friend. Did you hear that? What? God is faithful, isn't he? So I went back home, and strictly in obedience, I broke the engagement. 
uh, I thought I was crazy. <laughs> and I was pretty miserable. I was pretty broken. And I thought, well, maybe nobody else is ever going to love me. <laughs> I mean, I'm not the, quote, an old word, catch, uh, cat's meow. Oh, that wasn't too bad. But anyway, I was heartbroken. I broke the engagement, gave back the ring. And so what did I do then? Did I rejoice? No, I cried. I was miserable. I hurt. I was broken on the inside. And I didn't like that feeling. I'd been through that once before. It's no fun. And so what did I do? I ran away back to the place where the retreat center was. There was much emotional pain going on, crying, depression. I wasn't functioning. I don't even know how I got there. But I got into a room, and I sat down on the cot, and I prayed, Lord, you've healed me before of my emotions. I'm asking you to do it again. <laughs> and I'm crying and sobbing. I'm just going to lay down for a few minutes. So I laid down for a few minutes, and all of a sudden, it was like somebody had slapped me on the shoulder. I woke up with a, with a jolt, and I thought, what am I doing here? I don't need to be here. I'm totally released from pain, totally released from brokenheartedness, totally released from depression. I was filled with joy. Hallelujah, because he had touched me in my soul and healed me. So I got in my car and I drove home, and he had healed every aspect of that crazy relationship that I had. And it turns out, I found out later, he was an alcoholic. So God knew what he was doing, even if I didn't. So why did he heal my broken heart. Why did he heal our broken hearts? Why does he heal our broken hearts? Because he loves us. Because we ask. And because we love him. And because we're obedient, he heals our souls. He caused my life to return. I didn't think there was anything after that brokenness. But I found out that God had a call on my life besides singing, and it was a call to preach. <laughs> took me a little while to realize that, but, you know, I did. And so he restored me. And when you say restoration uh, in the natural, it's just like you were to take this chair and redo it. You know, put new stuff on it. But in the Bible, restoration is always being brand new. A new creature like never before. Do you know what I'm talking about? So when he restored me and restored my soul, he did a brand new thing in me. He gave me joy. He gave me the peace back that I had lost. And um, I was absolutely healed. 
and hold. And I felt brand new, brand new. And um, I had no more grief, had no more pain, had no more sorrow. My mind, my will, my emotions had been totally cleansed and healed. So what did Jesus come to do? He said in Luke 4, 18, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Amen? Amen. And Jesus declared that over himself, and he was rehearsing that or repeating that, I should say, out of Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. It was the same thing because the Lord has anointed and qualified me to preach the gospel of good tidings to the meek, the poor, and afflicted. I have been afflicted more than once. But he has never failed to bind up and heal my brokenness. Anybody here ever have a testimony like that? Amen. And then if you go on after Luke 18, it says, And to comfort all who mourn, console those who mourn in Zion. I'm back in Luke 18, 19. And to give them beauty for ashes. Oh, I remember a long time ago that dear woman that would teach on giving you beauty for ashes. What was it, Joyce Myers, I believe it was? And the oil of joy for mourning the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Turn to John chapter 4. Because there was another woman who outwardly did not appear as if she was brokenhearted. This is the story or the account of the woman at the well. Uh, Jesus had to go through Samaria. I wondered why, because it was out of the way, <laughs> because of this woman. He went specifically for this woman. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now, there was a well there, and Jesus was weary from his trip, so he went and he sat down at the well, and it was about noontime. So a woman comes by. She's carrying a bucket with which she's going to draw water. Now, the time is noon. That is the heat of the day. Most of the women went to draw water in the morning. She came at noontime because she knew all the whisperers were out there. There she goes, that woman. She's going over there. She was ashamed of who she was. And so she goes to the well, and she sees this man uh, whose name is Jesus, and she says to him, 
he says to her, give me a drink. Well, she says, how can I give you a drink? You don't even have a cup with which to, to get a drink. And she says, and besides, you're a Jew. What are you talking to me for? I'm a Samaritan. He does not care what you are. And you are lost. He wants you. You are Hebrew. He wants you. You're Muslim. He wants you. He says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. What is that living water? That's what comes up from here. It moves up and it should move out of your mouth. It should move through your hands. It should move to every person that you know with the life of God. If you are being restored, God is wanting to use you. If you are not being restored, tonight is your night. So, question goes on. What do you mean living water? Uh, have you been here before? And there's a progression that she, uh, she begins to realize this is a Jewish man, it's a man, it's a well, and then says, uh, are you better than Jacob who built this well? And he says, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I give him will become in him a fountain of water, springing up into everlasting life. She has her bucket. What is she carrying in that bucket? Her shame? Her griefs, her sorrows, her tears. She says, uh, Jesus says to her, go call your husband to come here. And she says, uh, I don't have a husband. He says, that you're telling the truth. You've had five husbands and the one you're with now is not your husband. This is not condemnation against divorce. This is him telling her, he's reading her mail. And she says, sir, I perceive you must be a prophet. And so then she gets religious and tries to change the subject and says, uh, where should we be worshiping anyway? You Jews say this and we Samaritans say this. Which of us is right? He says, woman, believe me, the hour is coming and now is that you will neither worship on this mountain nor in Jerusalem, but worship the Father. He's speaking directly to her spirit and to her soul. And she then says, oh, you've got to be a prophet or something, because how would you know that? And then Jesus says, time is coming when true worshipers will worship Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such who will worship him. So here comes the first woman evangelist in the Bible. And she runs into town where all the men are, and she tells them, you must come and see this man who told me all about my life. Must he not be the Messiah? The interesting thing to me, 
is she left her bucket at the well. I don't think she had any more grief. I don't think she had any more pain. I think the spirit of the living God came in the inside of her and the living waters began to flow. And she was healed in her spirit and in her soul. There's no evidence that her body needed to be healed. Anybody with me? You're all so quiet. She had drunk of the living water. So she didn't need to carry that bucket anymore with all that garbage in it. And God says the same thing to us. We don't have to carry a bucket around of all the past hurts, of all the things that have happened to us that we don't like or, or the losses that we've experienced. We don't have to carry that around with us. Our brokenness can be, should be, will be healed. Your soul will be restored. God is in the business of restoration. He's not in the business of condemnation. He's in the business of restoration. Whatever you have lost in your life, in your soul, God can help you get over that. Not only get over that, he can restore you to the point where, ah, I want to live again. I don't have all that stuff inside of me, carrying around like a, you know. I want to take a look at Elijah and see how and what tools do we have to be able to be healed of brokenheartedness. Of course, now where's the scripture reference? Well, it's in 1 Kings. You all know this story anyway. I think it's 1 Kings 19, I'm not sure. Ahab told Jezebel what Elijah had done. Remember, he killed all their prophets. Remember that? And he executed all of them with the sword. Hey, how about us with our sword? Are we being defensive? Are we being aggressive with the word of God against the works of darkness? He killed all those prophets that were of Baal with his sword. And so Jezebel really gets upset about this, and she sends a message to Elijah. And she says, so let the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life, Elijah, as the life of one of them that you killed by tomorrow at this time. And when he saw that note, he arose and he ran for his life. This woman was a wicked woman. And he went to Beersheba, and he left his servant there, and he went on by himself another day's journey into the wilderness. You know, have you ever felt like going into the wilderness where you can be all by yourself and nobody can bug you? No. Okay. Well, I'm the only one in the room. <laughs> anyway, so he runs for his life. He runs into the wilderness, 
and he sits down under a tree. And he prayed that he might die. Oh, God, let me die. I can't bear this anymore. I've been serving you, and now this is happening to me. This woman Jezebel, she wants to kill me. Oh, what have I done to deserve that? It's enough, Lord. Take my life, for I'm no better than my father's. Do you ever felt that way? And then as he lay and slept under the tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said, Arise and eat. And then he looked, and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and he drank and he laid down and slept again. And the angel of the Lord came back the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and he drank, and he went in the strength of that food and drank 40 days and 40 nights as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. So what did God do? Did he heal his body? He restored his strength, didn't he? But what part of him did he really touch? Huh? His heart. His brokenness. His suicidal words. Oh, just let me die. Oh, they're after me now. They're going to get me. Oh, Lord. Let me just get out of here. I'm tired of this anyway. I quit. But God said, no. Not yet. Not yet. Oh, yeah, you may have a broken heart. You may have fear rising up on the inside of you. You may have a disaster looming in your life. But God, but God, he is the one who can restore our souls, restore our bodies, restore everything that we have need of. So we are to forget those things that are in the past and reach forward to those things that are in the future which are to come and keep on pressing towards the mark of the prize of the high calling of Jesus Christ. I have an assignment for you. It's a challenge. Let's say any one of you or all of you have had some challenges in your life with depression or loss of a loved one or you're just down and out. You don't have a job, you need a job, you're feeling depressed about it, any of those kind of things. It's a seven-day challenge. Here it is. You're going to pray Psalm 23 five times every day. The first thing when you wake up, and you don't just read it to, to get through your passage for that day, you read it and you meditate on it and, and you realize what the Lord is saying to you. So the first thing you do when you wake up is what? Read Psalm 23. Meditatively, thoughtfully. 
Then after breakfast, guess what? Do it again. Then after lunch, do it again. After dinner, do it again. And before bed. And I can guarantee you that if you will do that for seven days, you will see a release of that which has been holding you in the grip of fear, of bondage, of brokenheartedness, of grief. Because he says, I will restore. I will restore. There's no ands or ifs about it. He makes me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want Jehovah Jireh. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Jehovah Shalom. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores, he renews my soul. Jehovah Nisi. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake, Jehovah Sidkenu. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, Jehovah Shammah, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. That's his banner over us, Jehovah Nisi. You anoint my head with oil, El Elior. My cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Not sorrow, not grief, not pain. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. How many of you are willing to take the challenge? Amen. So I have here something that um, I wrote. Bruce did the little graphics on it. And it is a prayer chart. And it talks about because God is Jehovah, and it has arrows that go down to the verse, and it says, Jireh, my provider, I shall not want for shelter, food, healing, finances, or anything. If you're interested, maybe you have a child that would need something like that. I have so many more testimonies that I could give on how he has restored my soul, and I believe that next week if you come back, <laughs> anybody coming back? I'll give some more testimonies and some more teaching on this because the Word is our main tool. The Word is the main tool. Then there's praise. Praise. Tehalah praises are the high praises of God. That's where you really find him, in the Tehalah praises of God. And then there's rest in the Spirit. He gives us rest. That's when he leads us into the green pastures of his word. I remember a story of this 
boy that was in Sunday school, and his assignment was to memorize Psalm 23. And so when he got up to recite the Psalm 23, he was nervous. And he began, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. That's all I need to know. <laughs> Glory to God. That's all we need to know. Amen. Lord, you are our shepherd. You restore our souls. You seek the lost. You bring back the scattered. You bind up the brokenhearted. You strengthen the sick. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget none of his benefits. Who redeems my life from the pit. Who crowns me with loving kindness and compassion. Who satisfies my years with good things. So that my youth is renewed like the eagles. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for this word that you anointed it, that you gave it tonight. And people were here to hear it, and they received it. Amen. So if you want prayer for any issue, specifically brokenheartedness, or you're dealing with something, I'd be glad to pray with anybody. I know there are some in the, the room who've gone through some of the same kind of things I have. No one is exempt. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So, Father, we thank you for the word, and we bless you, and we say your peace goes with us. Amen.